Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. I'm your host, Jackie Cation. You, I said that already. JackieCasia.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, if you like a determiner, FamilyPetAncestry.com, which I bought a couple of years ago on my last album. I had a joke about it, and I've kept it up because it made me laugh. But Family Pet Ancestry just takes you to JackieCasia.com. The show is available, of course, on iTunes and on DorkForest.com. The merch page is on JackieCasia.com. Let's spread out the, the, the business. There's links to all of it on all of it, so just go for it. And uh, JackieCasia.com has the merch page, which you can get T-shirts and of uh, for the Dork Forest, and you can get my stand-up stuff, T-shirts, CDs, DVD. You can just watch videos of me doing stand-up, links to my other podcast, The Jackie and Laurie Show on Nerdist, all the things. And it was recently revamped by Vilmos. So if you're looking for someone to do your web work, uh, find Vilmos on the internet because that's one of the credits that I was going to say. Along with Mike Rickberg composing and singing that song you just heard, he's going to sing his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program and Patrick Brady fixes the audio. Also on JackieCation.com is the Amazon banner. The Amazon banner uh, is just a portal to Amazon. When and if you order from Amazon, if you go there through the portal at JackieCation.com, order like normal. It doesn't cost you extra, but the Dork Forest gets a little bit of a kickback, and it's a way to donate to the show. Another way to donate to the show is to buy merch, if you like merch. Uh, you could always get my CDs and DVD online. They're all available digitally, and you can just listen to them on Pandora and Spotify as well, uh, though the DVD is only on ComedyFilmNerds.com on their download se- section if you want to own it but not own a DVD. Anyway, there's also a donation button. It is November, you guys, and in November and December, I ask rangers of the Dork Forest not to donate to the Dork Forest but to instead find a local food bank. Just find a food bank. Google the name of your town in the word food bank and you will find a food bank and you give them the $5, $20, $100 that you are going to give to the Dork Forest and it will help everyone and we will all feel a nice glow. I think that's it. My calendar is on JackieCation.com and you can check out where I'm going to be this week. I am going to be opening for Maria and then doing the Acme 25th anniversary show, Indianapolis, Indiana, Dallas, Texas, and then Minneapolis, Minnesota on the Sunday, the 6th, right before Election Day. Don't forget to vote, folks, and vote all the way down the ballot. Look into it. This is a hell of an episode. It would be a premium episode in anybody else's podcast, but uh, just recorded it right here at my house. So it's unnecessary to be a premium episode, but uh, it's with Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah, from vacation, from, in my case, Hare and Coal Miner's Daughter and The Simpsons and Entourage and Law and Order SVU, I believe. Uh, she has a million credits. Beverly D'Angelo, you guys. But it's a great show, so let's, by God, get into it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm in my, lo- with my, in my living room. I'm a little excited. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo, Jesus H. Christ. Hello and welcome to the Dork hi, Forest. Jackie. <laughs> hi, Jackie. Hi, 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 hi. Hey. Jackie, my pal. Yes, and we met because of Moon Zappa. 
because you guys are starting a podcast. And Jackie was the one who you you took our podcast virginity when we did our our little little trial run, which we haven't released yet. I'm not sure when we're going to get rolling, but we're going to get rolling very soon. We'll probably be up and running in November. Oh, perfect. Because this will go out November 1st. Great. And everybody... You just go that that first episode. I really hope you end up using it, just because it was fascinating and really? it's going to be. Called- I don't know if it was funny enough though. I told I told Moon she's got to help me with the laughing. It's called the it's called Moon Zap of Beverly D'Angelo, the Thinking and Laughing Show podcast. Yeah, going to be great. Uh, yeah, we're going to get it up and running. And we're going to get it all out. Right, and at least at least three times you went. I think I'm thinking too much. Yeah, Is there I was enough thinking too much? I'm, I, I do too much of the thinking. It's okay. It could well, be a guest can bring the laughing. You got to be a guest. I could totally be. A Guess. I love that. Here um, we are in the world of fiction again. <laughs> exactly. Let's yeah. a, a future that is yet to become. That's right. So, but Beverly D'Angelo, uh, people might know her. I know you from Hair. You were in fucking Hair. Yeah, I was. How cool! I was, was in that? the film of Hair. We shot it in seventies. This was back in the day. Um, <laughs> it came out in nineteen seventy nine, which was right. really only ten years after, you know, the nineteen sixty nine kind of that it was focused on. Right. Um, so it, it was. It was odd. It was mm-hmm. like it was. A, I don't. I think our culture was ready to examine Vietnam quite as in that way as a musical. Oh, but it was not the musical that was on Broadway. And in fact, there was a, a, a kind of un, well, it wasn't even unspoken. The, the prerequisite for even auditioning for that movie was that you could not have been in the show. Oh, um, and on Broadway, not even have seen it. Yeah. A, because of the age. Okay. Um, cause you know, he was casting younger than most oh, right. people would have been. But also, it was rewritten. And what they did was, they took the songs, Michael Weller, brilliantly, with right. Milos Foreman, one of the greatest directors of all time, Milos Foreman, just Google it, he's the genius. Okay. Um, the real deal. Anyway, um, they, you know, a, a, a musical, the, the thing that Hare did that was so revolutionary on Broadway was that it broke the mold of what the quote-unquote standard musical form is, which is that every song either develops the character right. or it furthers the plot. Yeah. And so Hare was kind of like this, uh, you know, a, a, amalgam of songs. And there was, there was a plot of, of sorts. Right. But it was free form and really, you know, broke through the fourth wall and all that kind of stuff. Right. Now I actually had never seen it, but I did then circle back and I was in it when it was presented for three days at the Hollywood Bowl two years ago. Oh. Directed by Adam Shankman. Oh my gosh. But I'm getting ahead of myself because the thing about the movie was, so I did about 14 million, you know, auditions and fell in love with the director, by the way, but for real, yeah. I love them. Okay. And I had been a singer. I mm-hmm. had not done Coal Miner's Daughter. I had done a few, I had kind of sung my way into acting in that I'd been in Canada as a singer with Ronnie Hawkins, the guy who was a original rockabilly singer. That okay. His band, the Hawks had left him, got <clears throat> Bob Dylan, become the, and they became the band. Okay. Anyway, and I would circle back to Levi. Wait, Helen. the band? Yeah, the band. Okay. So anyway, so then Ronnie formed more bands. I sang in one of those. Ronnie got arrested for drugs. I had to leave town. I joined the repertory company. <laughs> in the repertory, this is a short version. In the repertory company, I played Ophelia in a very small, charming version of Hamlet, which was then literally like plucked out of nowhere, as in Prince Edward Island, and taken to Broadway. And it was one of those things where these producers from Broadway came and they said, fire everybody but that girl. Wow. And I went down with starting on Broadway. So there I am, Broadway stars, show closed in a What week. year is this? Like oh, 77? Five. Okay. Okay. Show closes immediately, but, but 
everybody but saw now you're me. in new york yeah. i'm in new york everybody saw me so yeah i'm getting like you know there was a theatrical agent who was representing me i meet woody allen he gives me a line in a movie that was going to be annie hall right i got me a screen actors guild card it's like it's all so suddenly i'm acting but the big job in town to get was the musical of hair yeah because they were making a film right so i go in do all these auditions get the job and it was a very long shoot because there was a time when shoots were really long and you'd shoot for six months and then you'd edit for six months to a year yeah and it would be time to come out at a certain time it opened the Cannes film festival in 79 wow but as i say it didn't really capture the 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 public in the way that they were so wrong well, yeah, I mean, it, it holds up because it's it a great really- film and also the choreography by Twyla Tharp. Okay. But the thing is, it, but let me just put it this way. That, that film is not a filmed version or a filmic version of the I did play not know that. No, that's not what the, that's not what the play was. Not at all. Not at all. What was Completely the, different. did you ever see, you know, I you was did in the play three yeah. years ago yeah. in the bowl. At Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. What was the difference? Oh, enormous. You know, um, everyone was nude, right? In the play? Uh, the, well, there were twelve, the original thing, and again, I didn't see it, and I've learned this all in hindsight, but the original play, the original musical of Hair was off-Broadway at the Public Theater. Okay. And it was 12 people who played all these different characters, and there were all these different oh. interactions, and there was like kind of a loose line that one guy was going to be drafted. Okay. And one person was in love with her, and but she was kind of in a three-way with these two guys. And okay. Blah, blah. But the musical has a real plot. Yeah. I, sorry, the musical film has right, a The film plot. has an actual the arc. has a plot. Yeah. Going back to where I started, I told you I'm the thinker in the business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but going back to where I started, what Michael Weller and Milo Schwarman did is they took the songs and they used the songs to develop the characters or advance the plot. Right. So what you see is in a the film movie that, that songs occur when a character needs to tell you more or you need to know more about where you're going or where you've been or what's happening right there. Okay. In true musical tradition form. And the dancing is out of this world. It was amazing. Yeah. And Twilight the, Tharp, yeah. And shot in New York, mm-hmm. obviously in the, in the late seventies, which is yeah. so it was just, New York was really funky then. So, so the spirit of, of, of shooting in New York was, was, was a very artistic spirit. Yeah. It felt much, it felt yeah. incredibly Like I saw yeah. it in college in probably. Well, Milo Shorman had just gotten five Oscars for the film One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. And oh. this was something that he'd wanted to do since he had been, um, uh, persecuted and, uh, fled, uh, Czechoslovakia. Okay. As a, he was a, he wanted to do hair? rousing filmmaker. Yeah, he'd, cause he'd seen the, he'd seen the musical of hair and that had really spoken to him. Wow. From, you know, behind the eye. Yeah, curtain. yeah. So that was, so now here he is in America, just got all the Oscars. All the they, Oscars. And so they said, you know, what do you want to do? And this is what he wanted to do. That is so cool. And I fell in love with him hard. And for me, it was a real turning point because I remember at one point he said to me, Bavalichku, <laughs> you have to decide if you want to be a good girlfriend or a good actress. And oh, fuck you. No, no, but he's not wrong. But you know, he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Because there's a difference. Yeah. And you know, a good girlfriend would have mean, would it would have meant taking care of him. Yeah. And being a good actress would have meant taking care of myself. Yeah. And, um, so, but the way I translate it was, well, if I'm a really good actress, then he'll love me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Watch anyway, this, yeah, Oscar yeah, winner. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, didn't pan out in the long run, but it was, but it was a fantastic way to, to, to be completely immersed in, in a key experience in my life. So thank you for noticing. It was a life yeah. changer for me. That is amazing. Now, have you, the public theater, which comes up mm-hmm. relatively often in my life just because of my obsession with Hamilton. Oh, okay. um, is I like the Alexander idea. Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> it's so good. Alexander Hamilton. Yes. How does a bastard yeah. orphan <laughs> son of a whore in a <laughs> Scotsman? Okay. No, so did you get to see it? No, no, my kids did, and they've haunted me with it, and I've listened bastards. to it again and again. I know, Little I never bastards. go to New York anymore. Right, well, it's coming. I have tickets for September of 2017 Oh, I'm at the Pantages. You know, they do everything at the Pantages. Yeah. I'm on the list there. I- I'll see you there. All right, see you yeah. there. Excellent, yeah. please do. Yeah. And uh, so, but I like the idea of of theater where 12 people played all the different parts. Well, I yeah, I mean, that was the Shakespearean that was the template. Mo- okay. The mo- okay. So you need 12 people to make proper, because I was in a repertory company. Okay. And that was by repertory company. I mean, like you start in one, you were in the chorus in another one, and then you, you know, work the lights in the third one. Okay. Yeah. So you do the whole thing when you're in a repertory. You do the, when you're, well, the repertory company that I was in in Canada, you, mm-hmm. know, you did the whole shoot and match. Okay. That and makes Saturday sense. Saturday mornings you did, I did, you know, tap classes with the dance captain and voice lessons with the, with, uh, Marnie Nixon, who Marnie Nixon. Yes. Was in this repertory company, the Charlottetown Festival repertory company. I was in it. And Marnie, um, has a real claim to fame. Of course, it's a naive little 21 year, two year old, whatever I was. I had right. no idea who was, who I was dealing with. <laughs> Cause I'd also studied opera. But that's another story. Anyway, so doing these it classes with Marnie, story. but Marnie, yes. Barney was, uh, very famous, uh, in that she was the one who did all, she did the voice for My Fair Lady. She, she was the go-to. Oh, really? Yeah, she was the go-to. We could, well, see, I'm a research freak. I could find her right now, but right. she was the go-to person for dubbing the movie stars that couldn't sing or couldn't oh, sing well enough. Out of like singing in the rain. Uh, because that kind of, yes, that exactly. kind of premise, exactly. Except for that, exactly. she was like, "No, I'll take the check. It'll be uh, fine." Yeah, yeah. So her voice was amazing, and she ended up uh, covering for all these uh, actresses who could not sing, yes. essentially. And here she is, <clears throat> and I'm trying to find. I'm her. eating pumpkin seeds while you look. So here she is, Rangers of the Dork Forest, who hate me to eating. Singing by oh, she she died. Well, last July, last July, she was having an affair with the, uh, now that she's dead, she <laughs> was in that because she was, uh, oh God, now I got to log in. Fuck you. <laughs> um, uh, um, New York Times. I'll get another article. She, okay. She was having was an affair with who? With one of the producers of the Charlottetown Festival. Okay. But I mean, it's just endless gypsy. She, she did sang gypsy? Woods High Notes and Gypsy, My Fair Lady. Uh, uh, Just the high notes? Yeah, uh, she dubbed Janet Lee and Peppy. She did, she sang for Sophia Loren and Boy and a Dolphin. Oh my god, she worked closely with Deborah Carr to supply the star's singing voice for the film version of The King and I. Oh my gosh. Later work, California, Traviana, she toured it up. Well, Marnie Nixon uh, clearly wanted to work. And that's what I like about her. Even though I've never heard of her until just now. I really hope that I didn't mix her name up. With someone? Because I'm not seeing the festival. Oh, okay. 
in her crevice, but you know, was a small but, company. Right. Anyway, and if, she's amazing. Anyway, this could all be uh, fiction, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay, <laughs> right. So that's uh, wow. All right. So anyway, point is, sang my way into the movies. So the next big thing that came up was mm-hmm. Coal Miner's Daughter. So great. You were Patsy Cline in Coal Miner. Now, yeah. Patsy Cline meant something to me because going back to pre acting, right. I sang with Ronnie Hawkins. Right. So I was singing with Ronnie and every singer knew about Patsy Cline. She died in 1963. She only released like 17 songs. I songs think, total. Had. Right. But she recorded a lot more yeah. than those, but she was a singer singer and Ronnie always said, you all sing some of those Patsy Cline songs. <laughs> so anyway, I did. And so I knew of her. And while I was doing the film of hair, I got a call from a, a guy who became very important, Rick Nasita. And he said, you know, you need a real agent. You don't need, not just, you need a real agent. You're going to be, you know, you're in a movie. You need a movie. Right. So I signed with him over the phone. Okay. And then, so then it was about coal miner's daughter. So, um, I knew about Patsy Klein. I went in for the interviews. I told him about my background. The casting director was a real fan of the band. And what would end up happening is Levon Helm, who I'd met when I was 18 and singing with Ronnie, wow. ended up being coal miner, the coal miner. Right, coal right. Miner he was from the band. So it was a very kind of homemade kind of thing. And I actually, even though, you know, Patsy was like a taller woman and bigger woman, I, you know, it, they never did a physical screen test. No. I did do a vocal <clears throat> test, though. Okay. Because Owen Bradley, who was her original producer, was also the producer of the soundtrack. Yep. And he uh, sent out an empty tape, meaning, a, you know, a minus one. Yeah. Where it was a backing tape, and I sang along, and they said, that's the girl. Okay. Um, Sissy was just like, you know, oh, my God, this is somebody, I, this is like, please move next door to me or let me move <laughs> next door to you. So it was pretty much of a, of, of love fest. Also, the guy who was directing it, Michael Apted, had a background in documentary filmmaking. Okay. And, um, this was his first feature film, if memory serves. I'm not positive about right, that. Right. But early. But he had a background in documentary filmmaking, which really meant something, again, in hindsight, yeah. in that the atmosphere on the set was very, uh, uh, human. It wasn't like, you know, show busy. It wasn't show busy at all because this is someone who was coming from observing people and creating an environment in which they could be as natural as possible. Right. So that was a real dream. I loved Patsy Cline. Yeah. I loved singing those songs. And I really, I say songs that I amazing. found myself as an actress playing Patsy Cline because I thought of myself as a singer who acted, but when I was paying Playing Patsy Cline, I thought, you know what, I I can act, I I I, yeah. I can act, and and the the singing was my conduit to it. But that's when I felt like I'm an actress. I'm now going to inhabit right. another person, yeah, another character. I'm I and 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 be, and become that and, for... and become that. So so that <clears throat> was important. But here's the good news about Patsy Cline. <laughs> Listen to this current news. Current news. They are opening the <clears throat> Patsy Cline Museum in Nashville. Oh. And when you go there to the, and it's going to open in November, I believe. I don't know. It's somewhere between, I, th- I think it's in this November. year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and when you, when you enter, you're going to see me on a screen welcoming you. 
Oh, cool. Telling you about the exhibit that you're about to see, and it's my voice. You get to be a it's thing. It's my voice when, when you put the earphones on and you go from little... Oh, you're going to do the tour. Yeah. So here's the Docent. Thing. The docent. Beverly so, D'Angelo yeah, docent. I won't be there physically, but right. you know, when you put the <laughs> headphones on. The thing is, Patsy died very young, and she didn't really have a long career, because what's fascinating is that she sang, and then she stepped back, and then she sang, and then she stepped back, and she sang, and then what she... What was she doing? Having kids. Having kids. That's getting right. Married, That's right. Keeping herself together. Being a girlfriend instead of a singer. There we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it wasn't like a trajectory that started here and went all the way to the end, mm-hmm. you know, over a six year period. It right. was like a couple of years with some songs, bow out for a couple, come back, get a hit, bow out for a couple. Wow. Come back. And she was actually, at the time that she died, she was the first she was headlining a show, which was mm-hmm. a big deal for, uh, for, yeah. for, for a girl singer. Right. And she also was the highest paid, uh, performer on that bill. Wow. That she was on when she took the ill-fated flight. It's because she was willing, to some extent, I always think it's because she was willing to step away. She you was know? willing to step away. You know, people are I'm like, a- no, we'll really pay you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, uh, the need to step away. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's, it's, I mean, I would say I haven't had a career as much as I've had a life that's been based on creative expression. That, you know what I mean? It's a, I think it's, that's, I love that. That is a thinking and laughing show yeah, kind of thing that you guys ought to which, do. Which means that, here's the point. It means that, no, you can't like, like, okay, I'm getting a lifetime achievement award in Florida. <laughs> oh, at, good. <laughs> at this Fort Lauderdale Film Festival. And when they Thank told God me, you're being recognized. and when, when they told me that, I said, what the fuck for? Right. You know what I mean? But you know, they do make flaca in Florida. So what is flaca? You know what? Bath salts. That's, oh. that's, there was bath salts, but, and bath salts, the drug, the bath salts, the drug that makes people turn into yeah. flesh eating, face eating zombies. Yeah, reavers. Okay, yeah. now now they've turned now now flaca is, is the actual is, term is for the it. Big design. Well, I think it's they made. It's like here's what I want to know: Who said to themselves that bath salt is pretty good? I think let's work on that. Let's make it even better. <laughs> let's let's tighten it, that up. Yeah, right. So they've tightened it up into flaca. But anyway, I am going to the Fort Lauderdale Film Festival. Okay, because a film that I'm in directed by um, Robert Schwartzman. Okay, the last of the Coppola clan to you know, get, oh, into, wow. get into serious filmmaking. <laughs> um, it's called Dreamland and Talia Shire's in it and Robert Schwartzman's in it and, or, okay. or, or I mean, Jason Schwartzman's in it. Okay. And, um, I'm in it. And, uh, <laughs> yes, don't anyway, forget. so that's going to open that film festival. Right. I haven't seen it yet. It's okay. It's great though. Right. <laughs> and with Dreamland, is it, um, well, it's called Dreamland because it's about, it's a saga okay. about, um, a guy, a musician who's like Egan by giving piano lessons, but he gets a temporary gig working at the Bel Air Hotel as the pianist. Okay. But quickly is pulled into uh, the world of kind of being a gigolo in a way. Oh, in that interesting. this older woman approaches him. Mm-hmm. Dreamland is a song. It's like the little cue. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's a song that he plays. But but really it's, it's a story of this guy that's caught in this weird life and falls in love with an older woman who rescues him. I'm not the older woman. I'm the mother of the girl that he's living with. Oh, that in, goes on in, the in side. In my apartment. Okay. That's his girlfriend that he leaves yeah. for the older, or that he cheats on with the older woman. Got it. Uh, and this role was like just too great. She lives in a bathrobe. She drinks rosé. <laughs> oh, rosé. Yeah. And, uh, so it, that, that was lots of fun to do. I love the script. It's, uh, 
it's, 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 you know, evocative and, yeah. and it truly independent of like anything. So anyway, it gets invited to open the film festival for Lauderdale after right. it did so well at Tribeca. And so, and they've got nice little MGM classics distribution deal. Oh, good. It's all good. So when they said, you know, lifetime achievement award, I'm like, great. And all I've been thinking about is what am I going to wear? Oh, cause I'm not a fashion person. Are you a fashion person? As you can tell. Well, voila. Um, I'm, uh, by the way, I'm wearing. That is a very nice scarf. Okay. But would you like to know why I'm why wearing are you wearing a, a scarf <laughs> scarf at this weather because 75 degrees this, this means i'm not wearing a bra oh okay you know because you, my, yeah my no bra th- yeah my thing is when i'm not wearing a bra i wear a scarf so that you know i feel a little bit protected and like nobody's gonna go those are hanging low or jiggling <laughs> right but, it's yeah. like oh she's clearly not wearing a bra yeah, so that's why I you're really, wearing a scarf you know, th- this is how uh, I mean, do you not do you like to not wear a bra I don't even like to wear underwear. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, when, when they invented Spain, I remember I was working on something and, and the wardrobe people said, would you, would you like some support garments? And I went, Oh, Whoa. no, I'll, I'll bring my own bras and underwear. You know, don't wait. No, but would you like some support? As though like, please, you know, please, would you please, please wear some please support, wear the support, support garments? garments? And I said, I'm going to buy a bra and underwear. Yeah, that's fine. Said, well, what about Spanx? And I said, Oh, okay. So I tried them on and thought, this is a torture chamber. This is insane. <laughs> it's I'm a not, corset from I'm, 1877. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going with it. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, uh, the Spanx, no. I wear Spanx, but, uh, the Spanx that I wear. Have you worn Spanx? Yeah, I'm wearing Spanx right now. You are not. I am. It's Jesus. Essentially, I'm wearing, they're body suits and I like them. I like them because they're one piece of underwear. Well, that's why where I like does, them. Where do they end on you? They're, it's essentially like a swimsuit. But the, oh, and the good thing. Oh, I don't wear the. the well, wait, let me see the side of it. I don't ask you. Okay, well, essentially, and I'm wearing out. my own bra. Okay, so because this is the lamest of all spanks. Okay, because it's more just a. Well, it kind of keeps you together, but it is you know, uncomfortable. I, I, I can go. I do have some of those. I right. do have some of those. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a vigilante about any of this. I'm a, <laughs> right. You, you know. You know. No it's like, are you kidding? Please but, but, do airbrush no, me. No, yeah, is my theory. But, but well, yeah. It's like if, if just clean it up if a little. That's what matters. Yeah. Then I'm. Then you know. If someone if cares that much, if, if there's like a golden, if there's a red cord there mm-hmm. and you gotta have the Spanx to get in. Right. You know, then don't fucking ask me. Right. Then you give know. me the Spanx because I wish yeah. to get in. If or, or, or I don't. Or I don't. What I like is I like this attitude that sort of Patsy Klein has and and the and that you the talking about stepping away is that you get to have a whole life. It's well, so yeah. important. Like I have I have this other podcast I do about stand up with Lori Kilmartin uh-huh. and she has a son and her mm-hmm. mother just moved back in with her because uh, mm-hmm. her mother was uh, it was sick or something. And, oh. and so, and her and her mother are hilarious. Oh, yeah. And it, because her mother just sits there and watches, uh, O'Reilly and uh, Rush Limbaugh. And she's a nine year old son. I was like, I wouldn't have that around my nine year old no, son. No. And, but she makes it very funny. Or, but, uh, or as in what not to be. Right. It's like, look, look at your grandmother and see what, how not to, uh, yeah. get more information yeah. is what I'm saying. Read BBC or Al Jazeera yeah. or yeah, The yeah, Guardian so. or some damn thing. Anyway, but, um, but I like the idea of having, you know, yeah, because with, especially with acting or with stand up or with music or maybe even plumbing, God knows, is that if you concentrate entirely on your career you have as a woman, you have nothing yeah, well, left. Well, stand up's a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Here's the thing. There are in the acting profession, there are those, those actresses who 
have by will, by gift, by circumstance, all those things have coalesced. So there are those actresses who truly are living through the roles that they are able to play. Right. And their life is enhanced and they are spiritually and emotionally enhanced by playing those roles. And completely fulfilled is what you're saying. And completely fulfilled. Okay. But if you're someone like me who came into the business not looking for fulfillment in that way and even looking askance at it. Okay. You know, then it, it, it never jived with me and then. Because it should be a creative, what well, you were yeah, saying. But, but what I'm saying is it didn't, you know, when I did vacation. Right. Suddenly, because so, hair, coal miner's daughter, then vacation. Right. So suddenly I'm a comedian. Right. Suddenly <laughs> I'm in comedy films and suddenly I'm Ellen Griswold and it was all variations on a theme. Now I played Ellen when I was 29. Okay. So I was a 29 year old playing parents of, you know, the 15 year old Anthony Michael Hall. Right. So then that kind of locked me into, God, she's great looking. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So things started to get shaped like that. Right. That, that worked out for that 39 year old woman. You're like, uh, because I'm not 39. Mm. And, but you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. the point is that, 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 ga- that gave you a shape. Now it also gave me this because another rule of thumb is that you've got to be in a hit before you're 30 to have longevity. Cause by the time you're 35, you live off everything you've done. Okay. You know, if, if you've got my kind of career. Right. Okay. Which is, the, which is not a pick career, and choose, which is not, you know, which is not somebody who says, I want to do that movie and therefore it happens. Right. You know, someone who, who is on a list and auditions or not or whatever. Um, I'm really lucky that I'm still, you know, working. Yeah. And, in that capacity, but, um, but, but I've never gone through that thing. Like, oh, there are no roles rolled in because, frankly, I, I never saw any I, – the the roles – got to be honest. There are very few films I've seen that have that have affected me. Music, 100%. Okay. Music, oh, that's, changed, that, that music that changes I've heard your that's, life. that's changed my life, changed my perspective. Interesting. Made me a, a different person or, or enhanced. There are people – that I've met. There are places that I've gone, but what music? Oh God. Can well, I weed you off? Know, well, Frank Zappa. Oh, of course. Frank yeah, Zappa. Quite, okay, yeah. Right. Cause yeah, you yeah. and Moon Zappa are yeah. close friends. Yeah. Um, Joni Mitchell. Okay. When I was a kid. Um, and, uh, Ronnie Hawkins. Wow. In the, and it wasn't that he was a great musician, but it was the, the world. Is it that the he, music or the lyrics? What for, for the, the well, for, can, for Frank, it had to do with, with, with the concept because um what is uh, the concept of Frank Zappa? Well, have you really listened to his music? Because no. most people know about him, but they <laughs> don't really know his music. Yeah. Well, his music is 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 very um uh wide ranging in scope in that you can't really define it by songs and you can't really define it by lyrics, but if you can imagine um uh uh, orchestral music, but the orchestras, the, the instruments are, are rock and roll instruments. Okay. okay. Um, but you know, it's, so it's multi tempo. It's, 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 it's all about composition and it's, and it's, it's just very, it's mind expanding in that you're, oh. you're listening to music where there's a familiarity, but what's introduced to it, introduced into it is, is, is very complex and sophisticated. Musically at the same time. Okay. I, I gotta say, probably the best way to get introduced to what he was really doing is go on YouTube. Okay. Go on YouTube. And, and just go down a rabbit and, hole and, of and Frank Zappa. Go, go, go down a rabbit hole because you're, you're gonna find good stuff there that you can see. Okay. And, and, and. Do you go. watch him? Should I watch him perform too or? 
I, I would don't say, worry about it. I, no, don't, don't okay. worry about it. Don't okay. Worry about it. So it's, it's the composition. It's how big the, the, the use of all the different instruments. It's how and wide the- ranging it is. I mean, like, you know, he didn't write quote unquote songs for the radio. He didn't write songs yeah. that like, you know, had a, had a beginning and an end or a, re- uh, he had repeat choruses and stuff, but you know, tempos would change. Okay. Um, keys would change. Um, instrumentation would change. Um, themes would change. There was spoken word in it. Um, okay. You know, so it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a culture. It's a, it's, it's a world unto itself. Interesting. And what about Rob, um, Johnny Ronnie Mitchell. Hawkins or Johnny well, Mitchell? Ronnie Hawkins was a guy. He is a guy. He's still alive. He came from Arkansas. Okay. And, uh, I love played Arkansas. Bill Clinton's, uh, inauguration. Did he? He's a good old boy. Anyway, he came from Arkansas and, um, he was one of those, you know, like, uh, one of those guys with Jerry Lee Lewis. He was on Sun. He was like, like, like a Sun Records kind of guy. Okay. Um, back in the day when rockabilly, which even when I sang with Ronnie, I did, hadn't heard the term rockabilly. Right. You know, I it didn't. Cause it's, it's, it's hillbilly rock and roll. Is that what well, the deal I mean, is supposed it was, to be? It was, you know, when, when, when the guys coming out of what was called country music rocked it. Okay. You know, which is all that country music kind of is now. Uh, country music is like the seventies in LA. Yeah. Nashville's like, you know, <laughs> that, that music. Okay. But, but anyway, uh, certainly an authentic person and, and a roots guy. A roots okay. Guy. I would say in general, and I'll, Look, in general, if you ask me to make a list, I would sit there and I would talk about originators of certain types of music. Rosemary Clooney, um, uh, you know, I, yeah. I could make it, but, but for me, I've always been drawn to authenticity, the originators of a certain kind of music. Yeah. You know, Stravinsky. I mean, um, and, and those, uh, and they affect your life. Well, they, they've affected my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they sort of, when they, when they hit you, they did something to, well, to yeah. kind of blow they, your mind they, or something. They, 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 they widen your horizon and you, and they, they, they guide that's, your path. That's so go, cool. Oh, wait a minute. There's yeah. that. You know what I mean? That was possible. Yeah. Uh, that was possible. Wait a minute. And then it resonates, you know, inside of you. And the next thing you know, it's coming out of you. Right. Cause it changes it, yeah. your, but it's about thing. authenticity. It's okay. always been about authenticity for me, which is why I think that, that, that I viewed films certainly initially as having some degree of, of inauthenticity, some lack of authenticity because of the artifice involved until I understood the art of the artifice, which, you know, Mila Schwarman. Right. Okay. So coming in and trying to, cause there's so many people. Well, there's an art to it. Oh yeah. You know, there's an art to artifice. Right. You know, so right. it's I've not always just, gone after whatever I can. But as far as opportunities for self-expression, that's varied all over the place. I express myself by the way I raise my kids. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. We're always expressing ourselves. Right. What, can I ask a, a, can I digress again? Yeah. I wish to, cause you said uh, places that have changed your life too. Rome. Rome. Italy, Italy. Well, all of it. When, okay. You're of Italian ancestry though, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but I didn't go back to where my family was from till very recently. But my, I was sent to the American, I went to Italy the first time when I was like 14 in the summer and that changed my life. Cause I was from Columbus, Ohio. Right. Everything, everybody wore the same outfits. You would purposely buy the same clothes that your friends had. 
and to this day, children are still doing that. No, I mean, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, like, so, like matching? Matching? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matching. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you know, there were three TV channels. My dad right. was a manager of one of them, gave an editorial every night. So my dad was famous in that little town. Yeah. Anyway, I was a rebellious kid. I got, and I was in love with Grady <laughs> Will Poe. you tell the Burger King story that you told on oh, the yeah, Moon's yeah, Apple Beverly Dance? Anyway, I was a rebellious <laughs> kid, very rebellious kid. And so, but I got, I was in love with this guy named Grady and there were, there was a key thing that happened in my, in my 10th grade year, I was a very popular girl. Okay. And, uh, cause I had wanted to be, and I read that the way to be popular is you got to say hi to everybody and you got to defend everybody. And I, oh, wow. and I did. And so, um, cause I had been shy and I came yeah. out of it. You're like, but we're done. I, I was like, good sense of humor. I was, you know, popular girl. Yeah. And so, um, it looked like I was going to be the cheerleader, of right. course. Now I was dating this guy named Grady Poe. Okay. Who was a senior. Oh. And I was a sophomore. Sure. And Grady was like, he was my best friend, Ginny's older brother. Mm-hmm. But he was also, you know, he was a hunky cute guy. Right? Sure. And I had also dated this guy named Dan Bates, who was the uh, quarterback. Okay. Of the Golden Bears. Now, both of these guys were like, mm, big pickings, you know, for, right? the, for the senior class. Right, right. Those are the... So, the, the, the judges for the, um, there was an audience that you had to, you know, try out in front of, but the supreme judges, you know, were the, uh, three, were the six cheerleaders, the three seniors, the three juniors, and, uh, Mrs. Katie Fulton. Mrs. Katie Fulton, Mrs. teacher. Mrs. Katie Fulton, who was the head of the cheerleaders or something. Oh, the right, the con- whatever, consultant she had person. Some, yeah. yeah, she had some name, like mm-hmm. social, whatever. She worked at the high school. I thought she <laughs> right. was having an affair with Mr. Shelby, the principal. Very possible. Hopefully. Very possible. Hopefully. But anyway, so I do my tryout and like my legs are up to here and everybody's yelling and I'm peppy and I've got it all going on and I didn't get it. Why not? And in fact, I didn't get it. And the girls that got it were all like, they can't be the cheerleaders. And then I realized that mm-hmm. I had been, and the word trickled down. Right. It's because of the Grady <laughs> and the dad. And all also, right. you know how there's always like a cheerleader who gets pregnant? Yeah. They had kind of pegged me as in that category. Ah, so, so they I didn't was, want to encourage it. Yeah. So I was made an alternate and I only got to do a wig and that wrecked my world. Do really? That, it really wrecked my world. Because you were on task. You were I like was I, on I, task, and come okay. on, I, I should have this, you right? Know? Right. Anyway, and I was broken hearted about that, and that was my first big look at. Wait a minute, this isn't the greatest place in the world. There's oh, got to be more. Right, right, more than Columbus, Ohio. And that Ohio. was my first glimpse of you don't really fit in this, Beverly. Okay. So that summer, my parents sent me to stay with friends of theirs in Italy, and boom, mind blown, I'm in Italy. Walking around in a bikini, there was no such thing as teenagers in Europe. You were just a young adult. Okay. I'm going to discos at night. I'm having the time of my life, and it's a big world. You're it's 14. a big world, and I've got. Are you outside of Rome? Where are you? Uh, well, at that time, I was. I was in. I was closer to. to uh, I was in Florence. Closer okay. to Florence. Anyway, little town called Castiglioncello. But anyway, I've got you know multilingual. It's all happening. I, I feel like a citizen of the world. Now. Yeah, yeah. So I come back to Columbus and I felt like I was in a box. Yeah, and I was pretty much in a box. I'm still in love with Grady. Anyway, so I figure, okay, got to get back there. How do I get back there? And there was a program that you could do between your junior and senior year where you would go to Italy to the American school. Okay system and do that for the summer. So I get into that. I got a job as at working at the Burger King <laughs> right. to pay for it, go okay. there. And, um, we had to live in a convent. 
Oh. And so that was miserable. The- <laughs> and, uh, and I just had, and I had, I'll tell you something, I had kind pregnancy. of a little teenage breakdown. And I decided not only did I want out of that school, I didn't want to come back to Columbus, period. Mm-hmm. Now remember, this is 1968. This mm-hmm. is a time when there's a big cultural rift yeah. in the United States and there is the phenomena runaway. Mm-hmm. So I, kind of did this thing where I told the school that my parents were taking me out and I told my parents that they had to send a letter right. saying I could leave. Mm-hmm. And I also said, I'm not coming back. I, I don't want to go to that high school. I got to go to my mother, bless her heart, got me in another school and I came back late. Okay. Know, Mid-September went to this other Scott high school, kind of eked by that high school year and didn't go to the graduation ceremony, but I had taken my portfolio from the previous summer studying art and sent it to Hanna-Barbera Cartoon Studios in Los Angeles in Hollywood. Really? Got a job as an anchor and painter. So two days after I graduated, I dropped a tab of acid and flew on a plane and came out here. (laughs) Oh my God. This is like, wow. So you're so nice to say this is even interesting. I feel like I'm talking about the, oh, I am talking about the, like another century. I, I apologize. Ah, uh, please do not. Uh, for it is, uh, fascinating. You know, my brother ran away. My oldest brother, who is an evangelist and exasperating. At this He's time. an evangelist? Yes, in Tucson. Not, like what religion is he evangelized? Uh, it's a Christian, uh, religion, Offshoot? the Church of Terry. Yes. The, the church, church of, it's not called the Church of Terry. It's called the Church of Tucson. It's called the, well, now that's a Mormon area, isn't it? Tucson, Arizona. There are probably there a lot of Mormons there. You know the whole Jody area thing. You know they they breed like bunny rabbits. Uh, God love them. Yeah. And uh, so they are. They so started. He became an, inv- an, an evangelist. evangelist. Now, yes. Where? Okay. South evangelist and stand up. So I can see you have a lot in common with well, Sam Kennison. Exactly. Only thing missing is, do you like heavy metal music? Uh, no, but I believe two. Of, I have five siblings, right? Yeah. So it goes: evangelist, print salesman, commodities broker, econ professor. Uh, my sister is a financial, socially, adva- um, ad- uh, responsible, so she- uh, financial advisor. Okay. And then stand up comedy. So, and <laughs> my father's position do you, do what position do you, uh, well, there's salesmanship and all, all of that. that. But as what my father position, would tell you, what, I'm, I'm the sure youngest. You're, so you're the youngest. So mm-hmm. by the time they got to you, it's like, she can be a comedian. Do whatever. whatever do whatever. My stepmother was like, you're not the funny one. She actually said yes. those words to you. Yeah, she said oh, Russ is the funny on, one. Jackie. I was like, how does Russ get to be both the smart one and the the uh the funny one and the good looking one? Except for that my brother Scott was actually considered the good looking one. And my well, brother you're Terry. You're absolutely gorgeous. I'm good looking people. Funny. I got regular features, That's right? right? It's all yeah. working out. <laughs> and you got the spanks working for you. <laughs> right, I got the spanks. But, but I don't understand how um they were exhausted. How a stepmother could say that to a human being. I don't understand how anybody who was in the position of guiding a child in life. Right. Could utter those words and. She was like, and, and, she was happy for me. She was the only one who liked stand-up comedy, by the way. The rest of. Was it, she kidding when she said you're not funny? Uh, probably. But, uh, but the thing is, is she was half kidding all the time, right? Like she used to tell us, was I she know drunk I never all wanted. The time? No, she wanted to be. Oh, okay. Uh, she didn't have the, uh, the, the she wherewithal. Was a little, little too busy. I was too busy to get drunk. Okay. <laughs> right. She was working a full time job. Too busy to get drunk. I know it. I know okay, it. Okay. That's a good one. I'd say that's my life. Too. I'm too, <laughs> too busy, busy to, to get, get high. Too yeah. busy to get high. Yeah. But my brother Terry, before my stepmother came into our lives, it was, I think it was 68. He, uh, was 14 and he ran away from school to go to Woodstock. 
in 69. Ooh, now, I see, I was in Los Angeles and I remember saying, hey, they did this thing and it rained a lot on the East Coast. <laughs> and it was Woodstock. <laughs> I was living on a communist. Cause I came That's out what here, they called it. was an animator, fell in love with a guitar player. Of course and you did. And moved into a commune. Joe McCutcheon. Sure. Oh my God. And moved into a commune. And they the fact had a very, that you remember all of the guys that you, uh, fell in love with. Let's go with that word. Well, I can't remember any of them. Really? Yeah. I was just like, what was that guy's name in Dubuque? I have no idea. Anyway, well, he seemed like a nice that man. That could be good. Mm-hmm. That could be good. If you don't remember him, that means you were just in it for yourself. You didn't care about him. That See, is I actually. Was, I speaking of YouTube, there is a song that somebody. But when I say, I sang at the Viper Room midnight shows for years, and oh, wow. somebody did manage to purloin steal uh me in performance singing my signature song i can't fuck without falling in love and i believe it's on i believe it's on youtube if you if you do like beverly d'angelo at the viper room oh my god I yes think please you can i'll find be doing it. that yeah, i can't fuck without after. falling in love because that was pretty much me but also i'm from a time when it was kind of you know, sanctioned to, to, oh, right. you know, if, love if you a great felt, man. If you, you know, if you were in love, then it was fine. Yes. Okay. Well, but, but it's, but it was also that, you know, you would sublimate your desire. So the first people I fell in love with were always like doing the stuff that I, instead of, instead of saying, Hey, I think I'll become a director. I fell in love with it. Right. I, 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 instead of saying, Hey, I, I want to be a musician. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with the musician, but then I found my voice and, and it and, all, and, and, and it was okay, but I still, I still practice that habit to a certain degree of that kind of like. That is a parallel life. Yeah, it's a parallel life. And Cause I you did, have your own life, but you do tend to fall for uh, well, incredibly powerful. That's my step away. Yeah. My step away has always been the way that I've loved. I would fall in love, like the Duke. I, you know, even though I was. Married, Al Pacino. You no, have, not, that's not the Duke. Who's I, the Duke? Is oh, that when John? No, Wayne. Laurent, no, no. I, I, I married a show an, business. I'm in the part of show no, business that doesn't know who anybody Ita- is. I married an Italian duke when I was 28. Oh, somebody told me that. Yeah, and actually, if if you are, you are royalty. Yes, or yes, I was a duchess, and in fact, I can be found in Brooks Peerage. <laughs> you know, as Dutch, I was married to a man named uh, Duca Lorenzo Salviati. Okay, and we lived together only till. Like 1984, 85, 86, but we stayed married till 1996. Okay. Because when of we took our vows, or- no, it was that we were both young and, and, um, and, and so our vow was, well, we'll live our lives and we'll end up together. Aww. Um, and we didn't quite make it. Right. We didn't quite make that. But you gave but it a we're shot. Still really good friends. Well, okay. it lasted 15 years, but then what happened was, in the meantime, you know, I lived with other people. He was with other people, blah, blah, blah. But we would always, anytime there's a crisis, we'd come back to each other. Like I was in love with a guy who I broke up with and then he jumped off a building and I told Lorenzo. So then I went Oof. to Rome for a while. Yeah. You know, we'd come back together like he. Right, because you, you were good friends as well. Great friends. Yeah. Um, but when I met Al, um, in 96, and because most of the time when I would tell these guys, like I lived in Ireland with this guy who also was married, but there was no divorce at the time. Right. But anyway, most of the time when I would tell these men that I got serious with, because there were just three that I really got serious with, right. the, the the cast of thousands I wasn't serious about. <laughs> but um anyway, you know, when I said, guilty. look, here's my, yeah, guilty as <laughs> guilty as so, yeah, yeah, pleasure, guilty pleasure. Yes. Um, 
but when I would get to the part of like, I'm married. Yes. And I'm always going to be married. Right. They'd be like, oh, awesome. That and made, yeah. Oh, let's go back oh, to bed. Oh, really? oh, 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 I'm, oh, oh, you're taken. Oh, but that's uh, great. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, right. And, and even Oops. like, oh, now you're even more unavailable. You know, right. let's talk. You know, and so anyway, it did kind of work out. Because um, it wasn't open. Everyone knew. Everybody. Yeah. So I, I did. I mean, yeah, there's that term. I guess I did have, I guess you could call it an open marriage, but really for us, it was just what worked for us. Right. Anyway, so then I meet Hal and when I told him about it, yeah. he went, well, that's crazy. Yeah. And I went, well, what do you mean? Oh, you, you got to get divorced, you know? Oh, there you go. So, um, uh, he thought it was crazy and everybody else thought it had been great. So right. I called, well, that makes me I like called, Al Pacino I, I more. Call, I called. <laughs> so I called, um, I called Lorenzo and I said, okay, listen, I'm in the, oh, Beverly, who is it now? What, what, who is it now? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's an actor. And he goes, oh, but die, Beverly, please, <laughs> not an actor, Beverly. What are you doing? Who is it? And I said, well, it, here's the thing. It, it's a guy who, who he, 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 he wants me to get divorced. He, he thinks right. it's crazy that I'm married. He doesn't get this thing and he, and he wants me to get divorced. Cause we talked about it over the years, but mm-hmm. the thing is, it kind of worked for both of us. It gave us an, an emotional touchstone and yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. Fair enough. I married the right guy. Okay. Anyway, so, so he said, um, well, t- who is this? What, who is this? Preposterous. He doesn't understand our situation. What, who, who is this? Mm-hmm. I suppose Al Pacino goes, oh, Al Pacino goes, he's fantastic. He's, he's fabulous. We divorce. Oh my God. So, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, so we did like a, uh, you right. know, he signed, I signed all that kind of stuff. And oddly enough, his son mm-hmm. was born on December 20th. Yeah. And my twins were born on January 25th. Okay. Six, six weeks later. Nice. So our lives have stayed parallel. Stayed parallel also, within, yeah. within months Took of my each kids other. back to Italy. We stayed in his apartment. I mean, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. So I mean, it's all good. Yeah. So that's, but yes. So he was, that was, that was the right person for me to marry. Um, I did a lot of excursions from that. Sure. But I did have that, that they was, were sanctioned. That was my version of, right. of marriage. Right. And what I think is interesting is that, is that Italy clearly is a big part of your life, you know, big just, part. And it's, are there other places that you've been to that have sort of blown your mind and, no. and no, like because that, no. I have, I love, there's places in Australia that were amazing. Oh, well, yeah. Um, Australia. Yeah. And I had, oh God, I don't know if I can go back to Australia. Oh really? Well, because <laughs> the last, I did a movie called, um, lightning Jack. Okay. With Paul Hogan and oh. Cuba Gooding Jr. in his first Oh, one of his first roles. Yeah, and I remember saying, do you think there's a little bit of racism going on in here? Mm-hmm. It's called Lightning Jack, but anyway, and he's the black sidekick of Paul Hogan, and I'm the right. girlfriend, the saloon singer. Right. And <laughs> so we shot in the uh, West, and then we also shot in Brisbane. Oh, nice. And so and I was shooting in Brisbane, I had a friend who was doing an indie movie mm-hmm. in Australia in the Queensland, and he had gotten a houseboat okay. that was on the Wentworth River right. and said, come on down. So I went down, got on that houseboat, and I went, I'll take one of these, please. Yeah. So I got the houseboat, and I took it up and down the river, and I did little oh, cool. segues into that the out, the outback. Right. You know, I got a didgeridoo. I, you know. Oh, did you really? You're I, like, I, I got will a be... couple of them and I, you know, I got the kangaroo because they were, what was happening then, I'm talking about 
four, I think. What was happening then was there were these, you know, the Aborigines were, you know, a, a nomadic people. Right. But they were kind of, you know, there were lots of quote unquote encampments. Right. You know, there'd be like apartment buildings where they'd yeah. get them all Do together. Reservations. Yes. <laughs> kind okay. of, I mean, I don't know what they call them, but, right. but district. Yeah, and, and so, you know, you could find in the middle of nowhere, you could find little kind of outposts where you, there were canvases and mm-hmm. they were trying to sell stuff and food right. and all that kind of stuff. So I, I got into the culture. Right. You know, and I thought, this is cool. And I just remember it was so, uh, it was just, I agree with you that that's an influential place because it was so, um, fertile. I mean, there were insects in the air. There were birds flying over. Right. Animals. It was just clean air and, 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 and local ground. food it in the nineties. Right. I know. And it, and, <laughs> it, and just it, always... it, it made me think this must have been what America was like. Right. In the early the days. The United States was like at the turn of this, that golden era, the turn yeah. of the century was so fascinating to me. In 2000, it was probably four or five. So mm-hmm. 10, 11 years yeah. ago or whatever. I went to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. How was that? Melbourne is a happening place. I Oh, let me just finish that before we get to Melbourne. So the point is I overstayed. I stayed for a very long time. And, but didn't oh, your even, visa? But I didn't even think about it. Right. So I go into the airport mm-hmm. and I'm immediately in these offices. I had to pay $2,000 to get out of that country. Right. Because my visa was a work visa for a week and I'd stayed five weeks. Oh, right. So they got me out on time, you know, to get on yeah. the plane. And lo and behold, who do I run into in the waiting room but Meatloaf? <laughs> Who had been? I would in, not have called that. Who had been in the the Broadway musical of Hamlet? Oh, that I've done a million years ago. Okay. Anyway, okay, but let's go back to Melbourne because Melbourne is an artistic Melbourne. hot spot. Melbourne. Yes, artistic hot spot. I I could I think I could live in Australia if Trump gets elected. Australia is on my list with my kids. Actually, right. Well, uh, I'm gonna stay and so you start a this, sleeper but, cell. But yeah, yeah, but, okay. Uh, so you you did the Melbourne comedy comedy festival. festival. But I just I was riding the coattail of my friend. Maria Bamford, okay. right? She was like, I don't want to go alone. Please come with me. Great. Uh, they'll make us share uh, a hotel room. And, and then like, it was uh, all about Eve. Did you? And then it was, what, no. Oh, did you? Did you, did you <laughs> no. steal her thunder? I did. I did not steal her thunder. I, uh, down under. I, I stole her thunder down under. <laughs> Rarely do I eclipse Maria Bamford uh, on stage or off, <laughs> but fair enough. Uh, uh, it's parallel lives. She's okay. one of my very best friends. Well, so, there you um, go. Then, but uh, she's, she's, uh, no one is, there's almost, there's her. And a guy named Louis Lee, a Chinese guy who owns the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. Who support my act, my Another career. Cool town. Another cool town. Love Minneapolis. Right. They love my career and support it wow. more than myself. Oh, they are the, isn't the most, that the best? It really is. Someone That's fantastic, Jackie. Because I feel like I'm working as hard as okay. I can. Yes. Yeah, so, but, so in other words, you've got a list with no more shits to give, and they've got a list of <laughs> I give a shit. About I give Jackie. a shit, and yeah. we will do what we can to yeah. throw Jackie That's into wonderful. the. It is beautiful. It is thank necessary. You. Thank you. Thank you, Maria Bamford. Thank and you, thank Louis you, Lee. Louis Lee. Yes. So, um, the. But we go to Melbourne, and I end up. She's like, I pick up sets because you can. Yeah. And then. So it's a vibrant, there's a lot of comedy, there's, a lot well, of comedy was, stuff. And what my favorite thing about comedy in, in many, in the entirety, cause I did the nine week, uh, Melbourne festival tour. They nine don't let, weeks. they don't let anyone do it anymore because, uh, it creates alcoholics. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, so I did it and I, 
uh, was just driven slightly mad. I did four weeks with Nine the local, weeks. and then I did four and a half weeks I with the international. I think that's like a whole cell turnover, isn't it? Or is I, th- I think so. Years? Me and Deepak Chopra yeah. now have different, the right. same yeah, DNA. Exactly. And, but we ended up in Perth. And what I love about Australian comedy is that they are of the opinion that the internet doesn't exist yeah. and no one knows what they're doing. So they might as well do anything. anything. It is one of the most freeing experiences every well, that's year. That's worth going down there just to, just right. to catch the comedy. But nine every year, weeks. I know every so year you are deeply immersed. Has, is that a place that's changed your life? Would you say uh, very much so? Very See what I mean? Well. Yeah. It opens it up and right. then it doesn't close. Right. I saw a Japanese mime. 10, 10 years ago that I've, that is still affects me because it is, it was these two guys yeah. who had mohawks from but Japan. But did they do French mime? They or, did silent mime. I don't know a lot about mime. Well, mime is that, you know, I mean, there, there are rules and postures in France, but there's also the great tradition of kabuki theater. So it was if, in, in Japan. In Japan. And no theater in Japan, which has. They were white face. Well, yeah, yeah, well, that's kabuki. But, but they have equal, they have, they have characters that actors inherit that mm-hmm. have their own characteristics okay. and movements. Not that. Because okay. what it was, well, an I know hour. it wasn't Kabuki, but tell me about it. I can't remember. It was, was it funny? Minutes. It was funny, but it was, and it was fascinating. Like the first 15 minutes was sort of dad magic. You know that thing where dads are pulling coins out of the behind your ear yeah, yeah, and yeah. pretending behind couches to walk, go down an escalator? Yeah, yeah, Like oh, it yeah, was yeah. essentially that kind of very simplistic kind of- On purpose? On purpose. To be corny. To be kind of corny to and to show different- To make fun of making fun. Yeah, okay. I don't think they were making fun though. I think that they were celebrating it. They were illustrating the path of comedy from basic primer- uh, 101 to sounds Feel, like something feels very like sophisticated. That. Feels like that. And then the last 45 minutes of the show, they 45 did 45 minutes. It was an hour. Wow. So the 45 minutes was a story, sort of a Rocky like story of boxers. Yeah. And throwing in the towel. Okay. That was the whole thing. And, um, they both threw in the towel. No, one guy played the manager. One guy played shadow box. Oh, boxed, got it. Right. Okay. Okay. And, um, what was that? What was that Barbara Streisand movie where she was played the manager of a boxer? Oh, right. Of course. Um, was it Robert Redford? Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. And, uh, Paul the- Jabara wrote a song for it. Yeah. And, um, you keep talking about this while I'm doing the research. <laughs> well, and it was, uh, so I, I'm watching this, this mime with Bamford, with Maria Bamford. I just told the story yesterday and I'm sure I've told it on the Dork Forest before, but, uh, the, I'm watching it and I lean over to her at one point and I go, this is amazing, but what can you do with it? <laughs> Which is a classic Los Angeles question, right? Well, and Maria yeah. turned to me and she goes, "It's not broken. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to do anything with it. Leave it alone." And she was and that changed my life because well, then I could watch things for the value of what they were in fucking front of me. Well, art for art's sake, baby. Right. That's how long it took for me to realize that. Well, thank you, Australia. Thank you, Australia. Freeing, liberating, mm, very right? much so. Tom Conti's daughter is a puppet, is a ventriloquist. Uh-huh. And, um, I think her name is Simone or Nicole or God knows what her I name is. I wonder how you get into that profession. Uh, well, I was watching her in Montreal probably two or three years ago doing her ventriloquist act for an uh-huh. hour. And Did about, she move her lips? She didn't. And for about the 20 The main minutes, event. That was it. The main event. The Ryan O'Neill and Barbara yeah, Streisand. Okay. And. All right. So, so you they were, were watching, recreating that. Okay. But now we're back to the ventriloquist. And now we're with the ventriloquist, Tom Conti's daughter, who is very beautiful, probably in her early thirties. Uh-huh. And, um, 
but is a fucking ventriloquist. Yeah. And I was watching and, and making a living. I believe so in, okay. in, in England. And right. she was at Montreal and I saw the pile of haircuts that is at Montreal, like sort of the LA haircut pile, right? That comes to watch people oh, and right, judge right, them. Right. And is this hair in LA differentiate its, well, it's, it's wearers? There's, well, there's a three, four hundred dollar haircut that you see that's real standardized. What would you call that? I don't mean to, I don't want to get you off topic too much, but <laughs> can you explain that? What, what the haircut is? Yeah. It just, it looks like it's done. Like clockwork. It looks like it's styled and someone cared. It's a very beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with it. Are you talking about men, women? Men. Mostly men. Mostly men. Yeah. Long, short. It's a, it's a, it's short, but it's, or it's, it's a, it's, they're, it's sort of like right down, like just below their ears. Corporate looking. Very corporate, very shiny and not shiny in a, in a, in a Joss Whedon kind of way, but shiny in a, in a, a little too Teflon-y. Corporate. Yeah, it's a, it's a pile of haircuts. Okay, it's so a, you saw the haircuts. I saw the haircuts watching her, and I saw them have, not the epiphany that I had. Were they suits? Maybe they were, ghost yeah. guys going, what can we do with this? Yes. They, they were suits. It's okay, sort well, of my, it, it's my updated version of calling people yeah, suits, I guess. There it, you go. It is. It, there they were suits. They, they were suits. suits. Pile okay. of suits. Just yeah. these guys and, Thanks and, for and women me. or whatever. I'm so fucking old, but go and, ahead. And also okay. with pile of haircuts. A pile of haircuts are just, and they do not have the epiphany. I watch them think to themselves and go, this is great. How can we make her get rid of the puppet? <laughs> right. Because, like, like, if someone goes into, nobody goes well, into ventriloquism to get rid of the puppet. Well, it's so much work yeah. to learn how to be a ventriloquist. Yeah. You have to love the puppet. Was too. That, there was a, there was a show when I was a little teeny kid called Sherry Lewis, oh, and she had puppets. Sock puppet. The sock puppet. The song yeah. that will not end. Yeah, and the it sock goes on puppet. Lamb chop. Lamb chop. Yeah. Lamb but so they wanted her to get rid of the puppet. What's what's her puppet look like? She had a bunch of different puppets, including. Um, I, I think ventriloquists are like magicians where they can buy each other's bits because I've seen, oh. or she stole it. God knows. But well, it was the, a, what is it? The, the, the mediocre bar of the great steel. That's the jazz saying. Oh, no, the great, great jazz jokes. Let me just throw it in there. Great jazz jokes. Okay. I got, I got a great jazz joke. Let me just throw it in there. What do you call a jazz musician, uh, without a girlfriend? What? Homeless. Okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> Wait, let's keep going. I'm, I'm taking you off track. Okay. So you realize we're so, I, we haven't even talked. So a vacation. Oh yeah. I, I have several questions that have been insisted that I okay, talk to you okay. about. We'll do it real um, fast. Let's, uh, so you enjoyed vacation. Did you enjoy doing the television program, the movie vacation? The movie vacation. Yes. Of and course the I following did. ones. It's, yeah. Well, the, the first one was great because we really were on vacation and they, they had so, they had so little regard for this movie that they were making. That it that was super fun. That they just, we did the whole thing on the road. My husband was with me. He's the good. Oh, if you want to see the Duke. Yeah. And what he looked like in, in 1982. Oh, really? 85. I can't remember when okay. we made it. He is playing the piano. Uh, in the bar scene where Chevy picks up Christy Brinkley. Okay. Um, his hair, he, his hair was so long, he looked like Harper Marks kind of, but anyway, <laughs> love Lorenzo, always did, always will. Okay. Um, uh, but so we were just away from everything and it was a great group, Harold Ramis, Chevy, I mean, everybody right. that worked on it, it was smart, it was funny and it was a satire. Yes. So what happened was when it came out, I was in Italy, my friend called me up and said, you're in the number one movie this week. I went, what? It went number one. It was number yes, one. Of course. What? Yeah. And what, what happened was 
people didn't see it as a satire because when we made it, it was kind of like an extension of so we thought it was the Saturday National Lampoon. Night, yeah, National Lampoon. The Saturday Night Live crowd will watch it. Yeah, like Delta House or something. But what happened was everybody watched and went. They didn't go, ha ha, look at those Griswolds, aren't they funny people? They went, that's me. Right. And they identified it and brought the kids. They brought their own and children. And also it was, it came out at a time when VCRs were first oh, around right. and it was like a go-to movie. Everybody bought it on video. Everybody watched it. So it was a, it was a whole kind of phenomena. And cable television was, See, was right. a big deal. Right. And so it was a 24 well, hour. Then, then what happened was it did, it replaced, um, the Wizard of Oz as the Christmas movie. Right. Christmas Vacation did. So there were callbacks to everything. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. It created franchise. its own. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was kind of the gift that kept on giving. Yeah. Um, as far as like, uh, oh, oh work. You, yeah. Work Just steady, and you're steady the paycheck. Vacation yeah. And all that. And that was all good and lifelong friendship with Chevy. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's good to have that. That, that movie is a, is a reference with just about anybody. That I'm- right. And it's, well, it's nice to come to like new generations with this stuff yeah. too, because you're like, cause you, you continue there. to work. Although yeah. I have to say the, the, the remake quote unquote, or oh. whether reboot or whatever they call oh, it. Oh, they rebooted it. It was a remake. Okay. But, um, yeah. We- I didn't. Nobody uh, did. I have to. <laughs> I feel sorry. My, one of my favorite things, of course, is Lurleen. Oh, Lurleen Lumpkin. Lurleen Lumpkin. Okay. Speaking of Frank Zappa. Okay. Um, I, Frank wanted me to come over and he had this thing called a synclavier. And it was a, an, an instrument that instantly transposes anything you play into music. Into oh, and, and you can program computer? it. Yeah. Into, okay. Into type. Yeah, yeah, it it types out on sheet music. Yeah. Okay. But, um, also you could program it so you could, so you could record a sound and that would immediately be splayed out in a keyboard. Okay. So you could record a hitting a glass like that and then you'd, you know, it would tell you what note it was. No, no, it would, you would enter it in as a clavier and it would take that exact sound and, you know, put it on a keyboard range from like, you know, D up to oh, A. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So you could then play the keyboard with any variation of sounds and instruments. So he wanted to record my voice for that. Okay. Anyway, at the time, at that, that particular day, I was, I just found a cheerleading outfit <laughs> at Jet Rag. And full and, circle. And I had on my cheerleading outfit with little, um, uh, fishnet <laughs> stockings. Sure. And I went over there, but. This will show he, Columbus he, fucking yeah, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, baby. Thank you for that. Good callback. Yes. Good callback. Yes, 100%. Okay, you're my girl, Jackie. Oh, I you. love you. Thank you. Okay, That's, so anyway, I got him a little awesome. So go over there. The thing is, he was enmeshed in something else that he was doing at that moment, but Matt Grading was over there. Oh, just hanging out? Or? Just hanging out. And oh. so I met him because Frank had done The Simpsons. Anyway, so I met Matt. Next thing you know, they call me. Right. And say, you know, we want you to play Lurleen Lumpkin, the singing waitress from Spittle County. And I said, I'm all over that. <laughs> and I immediately wrote a song with my brother Jeff called, I Finally Bagged Me a Homer. Oh, nice. And that's the song that I sang oh, in that so first great. episode. Well, I would go back and do a couple more. It was such a popular character that for the such episodes I couldn't do, they had somebody else do them. But the pinnacle of everything right. was that when they did a, a 
25 year, you know, celebration of The Simpsons. Right. As a musical at the Hollywood Bowl. Yep. I performed Bags Me Homer as Lurleen Lumpkin on stage. And well, you should, cause that, and, I didn't know you wrote that song. Yeah, that song I, is well, amazing. I'll tell you a funny story about that too. Well, it's not funny, but it's a smart story. Yep. Um, uh, and I was backed up by the dancing hot dogs and, and my backup <laughs> vocals were a section from the gay men's, uh, the gay men, the, uh, the Hollywood West, Cor- the West Hollywood, Hollywood Chorus? West Hollywood Chorus, oh, yeah. It was I love fantastic. those guys. Those guys are great. It, it was fantastic. Balls, 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 balls. <laughs> I gave them the parts. Anyway, um, uh, that was a fantastic, I love that character. I've got a bicycle from The Sims. I love all those people. <laughs> I, I, it, it's one of the greatest shows ever. I love that character. Yeah. I, anybody who knows about that character, I love you. <laughs> right. Noticing. Yay. Uh, yeah. That's so great. Had Marsha Wallace on the Dork Forest one yeah. time a couple of years ago. Oh which was God, she neat. was lovely. Oh, what a nice woman. I what know. A beautiful what a woman. nice woman. Yeah. I was on a, a, a forum for a while that's defunct now. It was called, uh, God, what was it? Called? Oh, one of those alt dot whatever quotes? Yeah, we just write into it and she was on yeah. that. I met her through that. I think I met her on AOL. Yeah, but it, a it, was, thousand it was like years a writer's ago. form. What was yeah. the name of that thing? I can't remember. Anyway, go okay. Ahead. But, uh. It was the something. Let me tell you, Beverly D'Angelo, we could talk for another hour. We could talk for another hour and let's but we do will. that. I'll we'll tell do you it another time. I'll come back to the Dork Forest and you gotta come to uh, Lynn Zappa, Beverly D'Angelo, the Thinking and Laughing Show. Yes, and everybody, and what's your, uh, Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? Are you oh, on God, Twitter? I have 500 followers. I'm terrible. I never post anything. I don't, okay. you know, I'm kind of like, but you could, it, but I'm you gonna could get follow you. Okay. Well, and, and, and then okay, you'll did, get the rare I, and I wonderful did, tweet. Yeah. Okay. I did post something, uh, last or two nights ago. Okay. I just said, uh, Trump, um, since you, abhor political correctness, I'm sure you'll appreciate it when I say, go fuck yourself. <laughs> In capital letters. Really? And I did, then I did that's put enough. a link to treason. Okay. Oh, because the, it's, it's interesting. If you, if you read that in its entirety, you'll kind of look at John and go, what is that guy doing? Yeah, that guy. But I don't want to digress because that's like, that's, that's, that's like another hour. to fathom infinity. But yeah, that's about the only thing that I've, is I it at Beverly D'Angelo? Like With no it's apostrophe? I'm Bev D'Angelo. No apostrophe. Okay. I'm Bev D'Angelo. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I'm embarrassed. I don't even have any followers. It's like, and I don't write anything funny because I'm more the thinker than the laugher. And so oh, I just, I didn't want to. My Twitter feed is entirely I, political. I, I, I didn't want to, but you've got satire in there. I don't, um, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail miserably and I didn't want to get into that world of, right. you know, so, but that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. But with the thinking and laughing show, we are going to engage in all social media available. Right. In fact, I think we should be filming these things, Jackie. Oh, you want to do a video pod? Why they, not? People would love it. I'm I sure think they a video would. Pod. I, do you I'm know a, how to do that? Nope. And, uh, I'm a huge fan of, um, no makeup. Yeah, me so, too. Uh, the, um, but that's why I want to do a video pod. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna have you back and we're gonna talk about silent oh, movies. Oh, let's or talk five about dogs. silent movies and my five dogs. <laughs> five yeah. dogs. It's a lot of dogs. And the leopard gecko. And the leopard gecko. You have a leopard gecko? I have a leopard gecko. Oh, and, that's nice. Well, they live for 30 years. You start to feel guilty about year six. You go, I'm in for the in dr- an aquarium. Well, wow. we have this, you know, can't I, take it for a walk. We have the iguana, right? Yeah. And do you want what, a leopard gecko? No. No, I don't. Um, but uh, when Andy got the, the Tiberius or, or iguana, mm. he was small, right? He's only like three inches and now he's three and a half feet long. Yeah, they get big. And leopard geckos only are about that long. Oh, about a they're, foot and a half. They're beautiful. Okay. They're friendly, but I mean, it's like, I, I feel so guilty. Right. Cause you want to get a bigger aquarium and go, is there friends? Is there anything uh, well, I can he do? Ate for you? His, he ate the other one. 
Oh, did when he? He bit the tail off. He just tortured the other one so, so much. So then done. Yeah, yeah so it's like, okay, to... you're a loner. <laughs> you know, you're the lone gun. Tiberius wanders yeah. our backyard and mm-hmm. hangs out with the feral cat that hangs out in our backyard. Oh, and He's um, eye- they're eyeing each other. Right. The birds that are in our orange tree will come. They're like, what are you? And don't come near our nest. And does he need to be leashed or no, fenced? No. Well, he's a lizard. So he, even if he ran, you would, it'd be like, do you ever say speed two? Yeah. It was like watching someone run at you with a knife for an hour and a half. Oh, oh my yeah, God, right. she's got a knife. Yeah. Right, and then right, yeah. that's what Tiberius, you can really get, one but, time I mean, he tried he to not beat me. Wander? He wanders, but we have a enclosed yard. Oh, that, that's the key. That's what I was looking for. Oh, there Jackie. you go. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for the so enclosed yard. When we first moved here about 10 years ago, um, he did climb the tree in the bushes one time, but oh. Andy took him down and he was like, Oh, I shouldn't do that. It's you know what? You gotta put climb. like a pan around it. Oh, yeah. He put a metal thing so that he can't get up. Oh, well, we ne- we didn't, and he stopped trying. <laughs> oh. He has, doesn't have a lot of ambition, Tiberius. You do wonder what goes on in his life. Isn't, is he lonely? Is he? Well, he likes to go, he birds. also enjoys the hose. He goes oh. and visits his friend the hose, uh, sometimes. And he probably says, thinks it's a lizard or, or a reptile. He very, it's not very bright. He did charge me one well, time. Proportionately, there's not a lot of room in there for nope. a brain. Nope. And I put, uh, I put my, my, uh, shovel in front of my foot and then he got to the shovel and he was like, Oh, thank God she's gone. <laughs> and he's not very, he's not great. Beverly D'Angelo, we have talked and I'm sure Rangers of the Dork Forest are like, why? Why would you stop talking and recording? Well, Rangers have you of back. the Dork Forest, I, I salute the, um, it has been a pleasure <laughs> being in the Yay. Dork Forest. It's basically just an extension of where I live. <laughs> exactly. You know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?